Good morning. Don't you love seeing Robin Lee in a bandana? I mean, we could give credit to the Lord for all the people that signed up, but the truth is it was the bandana that did it, right? I mean, I think we should have her wear that every week. Well, hey, my name is Kevin Russell. Uh, I am the groups and discipleship pastor here at Genesis. And today we're finishing up our series called Making Room for Life. We live in a busy world, don't we? I mean, it it seems like we never have enough hours in the day or enough days in the week. And throughout this series, we've kind of used these, uh, this jar of rice and these objects uh, as an illustration to say, you know, it, it's just hard to fit everything into our lives. I was reading an article this week uh, in the Indy Star that apparently there's a big push uh, in our Indianapolis area right now for our parks and our trails to go 24-7. Uh, in fact, they said, and I quote, a raging debate is going on about whether or not the Monon Trail and other parks should stay open 24 hours. One group of cyclists have even started an online petition where over 2,000 people have signed this online petition. They're trying to persuade the city parks department to keep the trails and the parks open in our community 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, that's what we need right? I mean, what we need is more hours to go running and biking. I mean, because to be honest with you, that's my, that's my problem. I mean, I would run more. I mean, wouldn't you? I, I would run more, but I, those darn trails, they close at sunset and the 15 hours of daylight, I just can't get enough time in. And so from now on, uh, you'll find me out on the Monon Trail about 2 a.m. running uh, <laughs> along with the other insane people in our community. We're constantly looking for creative ways to find more time in our day and more days in our week. And the truth is, we're not going to find it because we only have 24 hours a day and seven days a week, and there is no more time. And so what we've talked about over the last four weeks is that it's up to us to make room for life. And so we've talked about in week one, we said, you know, we have to make room for God. That first and foremost, our number one priority in our lives should be our relationship with God. I like to say it this way. Our relationship with God should be the primary preoccupation of our life. In week two, we talked about making room for people and how relationships are absolutely essential to experiencing all that God has planned for us as Christians. And so we've encouraged you. And you can sign up today. You can sign up on the lobby to join a connection group here at Genesis and meet some other people here who attend this church. Last week, we talked about making room for mission and just being intentional about uh, making an effort to serve and to serve God and to serve others. And I'm going to just tell you, like we are so excited as a team, specifically, that you all, uh, so many people signed up here at the Carmel campus to serve. It's really been encouraging. And today, I want to talk to you about making room for rest. Making room for rest. In fact, today I want to extend an invitation to you. I want to extend an invitation both to you and to me. And that is this. I want to encourage you to begin participating in a weekly Sabbath day's rest. I encourage you to take one day a week and intentionally set it aside to rest. Now, you may say, well, I already get one or two days off from work. I mean, most of us, the average schedule looks something like you get Saturdays and Sundays off. And so you're like, okay, well, I already, I already kind of take a day off. Like, what's that mean? Well, I think there's a big difference in taking a day off and making it a Sabbath day. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. 
Rest in general is not something we do very well in, the, in our culture these days, is it? Uh, but it hasn't always been that way. How many of you all can remember when everything was closed on Sundays? Anybody remember that? Yes. All right. A handful of you. Some of you in your teens and 20s, you don't remember this. You're like, what, what do you mean? Like, that, that's unheard of. Uh, I, I'm 37, so I can vaguely remember my childhood when most businesses and most stores and most restaurants, that they were closed on Sunday. And, you know, kids today ask, well, what would you do? Like, well, you'd shop before Sunday. And you would not need to go out shopping into the stores and so forth. We live in a, in a world today, it's 24-7, isn't it? And even in the, on the weekend, on our days off from work, thanks to our phones and thanks to technology, we can still stay so busy and even tied to work. I was reading a book this week by a Christian physician named Matthew Sleeth. Now, in this book, he, it is titled 24-6. 24-6. And so as a Christian physician, he writes on the Sabbath and the benefits and the value that taking a weekly day's rest has on our physical bodies. But he goes beyond that. And he says that the fact that our culture and our society has lost the value of a true day of rest, a true Sabbath, that it's had a profoundly negative impact on our lives, and on our society. And there was one aspect of this book that really caught my attention and really set me up to share this message with you uh, today and even convicted me in my own life, and that was this. He helped address the tangible, cumulative effect of what happens when we don't take a weekly day's rest over the course of our lifetime. So let's do a little math. If you take one day of rest a week and subtract it out of your life, That's 52 weeks a year. That's 52 days of rest you lose over the course of a year. Well, if you multiply that times the average lifespan of an American, which is 78 years, you end up with a total loss of over 4,000 days of rest. That's almost 11 years of rest that you and I are losing over the course of our lifetime. A decade if we're not taking a weekly day's rest. That's caught my attention. Isn't that striking? I mean, think about it. If you, if you lose a decade of anything in your life, it will significantly alter your life, right? I mean, if you lose a decade of work or a decade of good health or you lose a decade of, uh, of education or if you're a parent of a young child, if you feel like you're losing a decade of sleep, like whatever it may be, like losing a decade of anything in your life over the course of a life greatly has an impact. Our Heavenly Father knows this. God created us. He knit us together. He knows what's best for us in our lives. And that's why we find right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment, which is to take a Sabbath day's rest. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20. There are several Bibles uh, in the room under some of the seats around you. Or if you want to look it up on your smartphone, you can turn to Exodus uh, chapter 20. Now, right after God led the Israelites out of Egypt and out of slavery, he meets with them at Mount Sinai, and Moses comes and gives them the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments, we often view them as a list of rules. Well, they are a list of rules, but they're much more than that. The Ten Commandments were given to the Israelites to paint an image for them of who God is and who God wanted to be for them and how they were to relate to God and how they were called to relate to one another. So if you study the Ten Commandments, here's what you'll see. You'll see that the first three commands uh, and the last six commands 
uh, address two specific topics. The first three commands really address loving God. If you do a little study, you'll see that the first three commands can kind of be summarized as loving God. And the last six commands could be summarized as loving people, addresses our relationship with people. Well, that's only nine commands. Where's the tenth command? The tenth is the fourth commandment, and it rests right there in the middle. And it's a little odd. Love God, love people, and then there's this one in the middle that says, keep holy the Sabbath. Keep holy the Sabbath. The only place that the Israelites were going to be able to find the ability and the strength to love God and love people was by keeping holy the Sabbath. In fact, the Sabbath, if you look at it like this, uh, linear or on a horizontal plane like this, the Sabbath is kind of like that triangle there. It's kind of a fulcrum, if you will, or a balance or a bridge that the first three commandments and the last six commandments rest on. And God was telling the Israelite people, he's giving them an image that, listen, in order to carry the weight and the burden and the stress that's going to come, practically speaking, from trying to love me and love people the way I've commanded you, you must keep holy the Sabbath. Now, the question then means, well, what, what did it mean for the Israelites to keep the Sabbath holy? And what does it mean for us Today, what does it look like for us to intentionally keep a weekly Sabbath day's rest? What's the difference between taking a week, a day or two off a week and keeping a weekly Sabbath? Well, let's look at the fourth commandment. It's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. You can uh, read along in your Bible or follow on the screen. I'm going to read this. Moses says to the people, he's gotten the Ten Commandments from the Lord. He comes down and here is the fourth commandment, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And Moses is going to explain what that means. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a day, uh, is, a, is a day, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in, the, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. By the way, the Sabbath day, the seventh day, was the only day that God made holy. All the other six days he looked at and said, those are good. The Sabbath day was the holy day. Why is that? Well, the Israelite people had been working as slaves under the rule of Pharaoh 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 400 years. And imagine... Imagine what the Israelites must have felt like when they heard God say, I want you to take one day off every seven days. I want you to stop working, and I want you to rest. Imagine what an amazing gift this was to them. Now, the word Sabbath literally means, translated, to cease or to rest. Now, here's something important to realize, uh, because this is how we're going to differentiate between just taking a day off and honoring the Sabbath and having a Sabbath day is that this word to cease or to rest doesn't really mean relax in the way our culture defines relaxing or resting. Taking a Sabbath day uh, does not mean disconnecting from life. It does not mean spending the day mindlessly watching hours of television or movies or zoning out by surfing the internet or playing video games. That's not the kind of Sabbath rest that God is talking about here. He actually explains it in the passage. Let's look back at verse 11. 
you know, anytime you study the Bible, you can really find the meaning, oftentimes the meaning of the passage right there if you look, either the verse before or the verse after. And so in verse 8, he says, keep holy the Sabbath. Now look at verse 11. Verse 11 reads this. It says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. It's interesting As God gives them the fourth commandment and tells them to keep Holy Sabbath, take a day of rest, he explains it and refers back to the Genesis account when he worked for six days and he took a rest. Now, he's asking the Israelites, I want you to rest on the seventh day just as I rested on the seventh day. That got me thinking this week, okay, well, what does it mean for God to take a rest? Like, God didn't get tired, did he? I mean, he just spoke the universe into existence. That couldn't have been too exhausting. So God doesn't get tired, he doesn't get exhausted. What did it mean for God to take a rest? I want you to think of it this way. Some friends of ours in Louisville are building a house. Anybody built a house in recent years? Anybody built a home? Okay, a couple of you. So they're building a home right now, and um, they're waiting for the house to be done. It's been several months, there have been a few delays, and so they're living in some temporary housing, and most of their stuff is in storage and in boxes, and they're kind of living in limbo. They're in this middle waiting ground, and the truth is their lives are, are a bit unstable and insecure because they're in this kind of waiting period. Now, here's what I know they're looking forward to, right? They're looking forward to the day when they actually move in. And the moving truck comes, and they unload everything, and they put all the furniture where it's supposed to be, and they put away the pots and the pans, and they decorate the house, and they're looking forward to unpacking all the boxes and getting everything out and getting everything settled. And they're looking forward to that first night when they put their kids to bed, and they sit on the couch, they take a deep breath, and they rest. This is what God was talking about. See, God created on six days, in six days, and on the seventh day, He settled in to his seat in the midst of the creation. See, they're going to settle in that first night in their new home as this is the home that they are now going to settle in and live in. And this home is theirs. And by settling into their new home, they'll experience stability and security and rest. And God says, on the seventh day, I sat on the throne of the universe And he says to the Israelites, listen, real rest comes from knowing that a good and loving God is now in control of the world, in control of their world and their lives. And it was out of this rest, out of this place of surrender and trust that the Israelites were supposed to live. That's why God made the Sabbath holy. That's why he set it apart and made it uniquely special because it was on that day where they were to stop and recognize that God The creator and the king sits on the throne in complete control of everything. That's why the Israelites were commanded to keep the Sabbath. And that's why you and I should participate in a regular Sabbath day's rest as well. We should intentionally set aside a day off where we do more than just take the day off to relax. But where we set aside time to remember that our heavenly father is in control of the world. And that we can surrender our lives to him and trust his leadership, not only of the world, but of our world as well. Now, we're not, we're not the Israelites, right? We're not the Israelites. We are Christians. We're not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. The new covenant was brought in. Jesus told us on the last night he was with the disciples. The new covenant was brought in when he shed his blood on the cross for us. And so we don't put our faith 
in our faithfulness. We don't put our uh, faith in our own righteousness. Our faith is in the righteousness of Christ, that he kept all 10 commandments. We don't have to. He did it for us. And in fact, on more than one occasion, the Pharisees confronted Jesus and accused him of breaking the commandments. They accused him specifically of breaking the Sabbath, and they even wanted to kill him for breaking the Sabbath. They said that he was uh, doing all kinds of work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, you all don't get it. You're missing the intent of the Sabbath. Look with me in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen, the Sabbath was made for man. It It was to be a blessing for us. It was to protect us. It was to help us. Not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't a rule we were to keep. So the son of man, he says, I am, Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus knew the the Sabbath was not a rule to be kept as much as it was a freedom and a rest to enter into. Jesus did all kinds of ministry on the Sabbath, but none of it was considered work. He never, never never broke the commandment. Uh, to not work on the Sabbath. But he casted out demons, he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he cured the blind, he taught, he preached. How did he do all that without that considering being considered work? Well, a couple things. Remember, the intent of the Sabbath is to exalt and be thankful and be ever mindful and surrender and trusting that God is on his throne. Well, Jesus always lived that way. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Jesus remained surrendered to his heavenly Father and trusted his heavenly Father's rule and reign and leadership. But the second thing is, when Jesus was ministering to people, when he was bringing healing, when he, was bringing, when, he was bringing, when he taught, he was bringing freedom and wholeness to people's lives. He was bringing rest to their life. Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. He brought restoration to their souls, and that's really the goal of the Sabbath. And I think that's what the Lord wants to do for us as well. And that's a big difference from just taking a day off once a week to allowing God to restore your soul. Okay, this just reminds me, I just want to say this one thing, is that there's this common notion in our culture and in our society that when we talk about priorities and we talk about uh, our lives, we we, kind of think we can fall into the lie that that we we can manage our lives. The truth is this, we can do some things to prioritize our lives, but we don't gain balance or stability in our life by better managing our schedules. We are fallen, broken people, and we live in a fallen, broken world that, quite frankly, is in chaos. And so we don't gain balance by better managing the world around us. What we do is we gain balance and stability. We gain rest from recognizing that God is the manager of the universe that he's managing everything, and that he's in control. See, we don't have enough hours in the day or enough days in the week to fit everything in. But the truth is, here's what God says to us. This is what it means to take a Sabbath day's rest. This is the difference between taking a day off and taking a Sabbath day's rest. It's God saying to us, why don't you take one day a week and stop seeking to meet your needs? Stop trying to accomplish your goals. Stop trying to control your world and rest in the reality that I, God, that I'm in control. Acknowledge that I am on the throne, that this world is my world, and that ultimately your life is in my hands. This is what it means to take a Sabbath day's rest. 
See how that's, that's a very different attitude and perspective and heart to go into a Sabbath day off or a Sabbath day's rest than rather than just taking a day off of work, right? Anybody can take a day off from work. Christians are called, I think, to be intentional with our time and to honor God and to enter into this freedom and this rest, fixing our heart and mind on Him. Okay, so some of you are sitting here, you're like, all right, uh, I take one or two days off a week, and uh, that's, that's typically what the average, uh, our, all, most of our schedules look like. We usually get a, a day off or, a, or two days off, and so you're like, okay, so you want me to be more intentional with it. That's what, that's what you're telling me to do, yes. Well, what's that practically look like? like? What's it look like to actually take a Saturday off or a Sunday off and, and move it from just an off day to a Sabbath day? Well, let's look about, uh, let's talk about practical things. First, um, decide uh, how often you want to do this. Decide how often you want to do it. You could do it weekly if you wanted to. Um, you could do it a couple times a month. You could do it once a month. Um, I started to kind of do some math. I started thinking about this for my wife and I and our two little girls. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I started thinking about this week the effect this could have on our family. And I just thought, you know, if we did two days a month, if we did two days a month where we really set aside 24 hours and it was more than a day off, we were going to take it as a Sabbath day and be intentional with that day. Um, we, over the next 18 years, as we raise our girls, raise our family over the next 18 years, we'd experience over 350 days together as a family resting in Sabbath. That's something that could really shape our lives, right? That's something that could really impact our legacies as a family. So, Decide how often you want to do this. Maybe you're just going to give it a shot one time. Just, just, just try it once and say, I'm going to take 24 hours. I'm going to take this day a week. Maybe this afternoon you look at your calendar, you talk to your spouse, or you just kind of look on your phone and say, okay, let's try this. Let's try to do this. Let's try to be more intentional with a day off. Let's turn it into a Sabbath day. And uh, you're going to pick one day in the next couple of weeks, or maybe you're going to just uh, pick you know, the first and third Saturdays or the second and fourth Sundays, whatever you're going to do. Uh, what do you actually do on that day? Well, let's look at a book by Mark Buchanan. He is a pastor and author. I read about this this week. And um, he came up with a rule called the golden rule for the Sabbath. And there are two kind of key words or two steps that he says we should take. Number one is to cease. This is in your notes. So the first thing we want to do to move from just a day off to a Sabbath, to turn it into a Sabbath, is we must cease. Buchanan says this. He says, Sabbath is when we cease doing what is necessary. The Sabbath means to stop working, just as God stopped working after six days and the Israelites were commanded to stop working after six days, we should too. Now, the question is, how do you define work, right? My wife and I were in Israel uh, a few years ago, and um, still today, uh, the Jewish people honor the Sabbath on a weekly basis. The Sabbath is on Saturday. They do this in Israel. They do this. Jews all over the world will, will continue to do this. And um, they define work pretty severe. I, I think they're kind of missing the point. My wife and I uh, were in the hotel. And so I don't know. You Maybe you've heard of this before. But like we're in the hotel. And on Saturday, on Shabbat is what they call it, uh, the elevator is pre-programmed to stop on every floor for 24 hours. Because, get this, they don't want you to do this because that would be work, right? I think they're kind of missing the point, you know? But what is work? What's it look like to stop doing any work in our lives? Well, I think the first thing is obviously that is if you work and you have a job, that you stop doing anything directly related to your occupation. So if you're a teacher, that means no grading papers on, the week, on this Sabbath day off. 
If you're a businessman, this means no email, no checking email, no answering uh, voicemails, no making any phone calls. Uh, on your Sabbath day, you don't do any work-related activities. Now, I've got to be honest. I've got to confess. This is a challenge for me. I am somewhat addicted to this little thing. And it's amazing how on my days off, I get a little downtime, even five or ten minutes. It's amazing how quickly I pick this thing up and I start scrolling through and maybe I check an email or maybe I'm just browsing on the internet. Isn't this easy to do these days? Stop doing it. On your Sabbath day off, you want to put down the phones. You want to put down uh, the to-do list. Maybe you, are, you don't work outside the home. Maybe you're a stay-home mom. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're a student, okay, and you don't work right now. You're just in school. Instead of taking a day off, turn it into a Sabbath day by putting down your to-do list and stopping your regular chores and don't run any of the errands you would regularly do. So to make it to move from a, just a day off to a Sabbath day, you say on, the, uh, uh, on this Sabbath day, on this Saturday, this Sunday, I'm, I'm not going to go to the grocery. I'm not going to go to the store. I'm not going to run any errands. I'm going to do it before or after. I know of a family who would keep a weekly Sabbath, and here's what they did. They came up with a box where they put everything in there in the box that had to do with work or chores or even things that were part of just their normal daily routine, routine that they wanted to stop, step away from on their Sabbath. So they put their computers in the box. They put their cell phones in the box. They put their to-do list in the box. They even put the remote control in the box. They sometimes even put the car keys in the box. And they stay, and it's all stayed in the box for 24 hours. And this was their way of staying committed to one another and holding each other accountable during the Sabbath day. Now, for some of you, you're, you're sitting here right now, and the thought of going 24 hours without your phone or without your remote control, well, you're starting to break out into a little bit of a sweat right now. And if that's the case, that's the point, right? That's the point. That when we slow down, When we take a day off and we are intentional about turning it into a Sabbath, it means that we step back, that we let go, that we surrender. And by doing so, we give God the space and the time to begin working on our hearts. And so you may be thinking, okay, if I'm not supposed to do any work, I'm not supposed to run any errands, I'm not supposed to run any chores, I'm not supposed to be on my phone, I'm not supposed to watch TV, I'm not supposed to be on the net, what in the world am I supposed to be doing with myself for 24 hours? Some of you are thinking that right now. You're thinking, this guy's crazy. I think the Lord has an answer for you. And I think it's found in Psalm 4610. Let's read this together uh, out loud. One, two, three. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. What's the point of the Sabbath? There's a big difference between just taking a day off and being still and knowing that he is God and setting our hearts and minds on him. Now, I'm not saying you do absolutely nothing. I'm not saying you sit in the living room with your legs crossed going, "Mm," for 24 hours. I'm not saying that. But I am saying To move from a day off to a Sabbath day, you should intentionally scale back from your normal routine and decide to do just a few life-giving things. And that leads us to the second part of Buchanan's golden rule of the Sabbath. It's in your notes. Number two is embrace. The word embrace. Embrace. So we cease or we stop working and we embrace those things that are life-giving. See, the Sabbath is not so much about disconnecting from life as much as it is about reconnecting with God and people. This hit home for me a few days ago. About a week ago, 
I, I think it was last weekend, I was sitting on the living room floor. I had just some time and space, and I was playing with my 18-month-old little girl, uh, Zoe, and it's just her and I, my wife and, and other daughter were off doing something. And I'd, we'd have been playing for 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, this thought came to mind that I had been sitting there playing with her for 15 minutes, and my mind had been wondering. And there was this moment where I connected eye to eye with her. And I realized I had been with her in her presence for 15 minutes, but I was not connecting with her. I was not engaging with her. And it woke me up. Kevin, your 18-month-old little girl is sitting right in front of you. Engage. Isn't it easy? Don't you all find this easy to even be in, our, in people's presence, yet we just disengage? Don't you find that easily? This is why, this is the difference between taking a day off and just mindlessly letting your, uh, your mind wander and going through the day and just kind of letting your day unfold. It's the difference between that and taking a Sabbath day. It's saying, no, 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 I'm going to intentionally, prayerfully connect with my family, connect with my kids, and connect with the Lord. So we're to embrace a few things. You know, today, Jewish people, again, as I said, embrace, uh, they still embrace the Sabbath, and they do a few different practices on the Sabbath still today. They've always done these things. The first thing they do, you want to take a notes, is they spend time in prayer and worship. They spend time in prayer and worship. The whole purpose of the fourth commandment was for Jewish people to rest in the truth and the reality that God is the God of the universe, and he's sitting on his throne, and that he's in control of the world, and he's in control of your world, too. So they would take time to give thanks and praise for who God is, and they'd remember all that he has done for them, and we should do the same. Listen, I can't stress this point enough. You've got to take responsibility for your own relationship with the Lord. You must make it a priority to cultivate your relationship with God, and the primary way you're going to cultivate your relationship with God is not just coming to church on Sunday, although this helps. The primary way you're going to cultivate your relationship with God is by spending time with God. We grow in relationship by relating to Him. What's that look like? That means spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word. And this is something you need to do on a daily basis or several times a week. But maybe on the Sabbath day, what you're going to do is you're going to say, I'm going to take some intentional extended time and spend it with the Lord. So maybe you spend typically maybe 15 or 20 minutes a couple times a week reading a devotional or spending some time praying. On the Sabbath day, spend an hour. Set aside an hour and say, I'm going to spend one hour reading the Bible, studying the Bible, praying. I'm going to do some journaling. I'm going to intentionally seek the Lord. I was reading an article this week titled, Ready, Set, Rest. And it was an article on the importance of setting aside time to rest and to pray. And I loved what the author said. I thought this was so true and so convicting. The author said, a wise man, a wise man will see his life more like a reservoir than a canal. The canal pours water out as it receives the water, but the reservoir retains the water until it is filled and then discharges the water out of the overflow without ever losing any of itself. He said, today, there are far too many canals in the church and not enough reservoirs. Jesus said in John, Jesus said in John 4, 14, He said, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, taking a Sabbath day is not just taking a vacation day to disconnect and empty your mind and fill it with meaningless activity. It's not what it is. It's making an intentional effort to reconnect to the source of life. 
to be filled with the living water, to fill your heart and your mind with God's truth, to draw near to God and to take some intentional time in your space, in your life and in your schedule to allow God to draw near to you. So take some extra time on the Sabbath and spend some extended time in prayer in the Word. Okay, second basic activity Jewish people embrace on the Sabbath is they share a big meal together as a family. It's often the biggest meal of their week. I think, I think it'd be good for, uh, for you and I to consider doing the same thing. Maybe we consider on the Sabbath uh, having a big meal. And so if you decide as a family or as a couple, Saturday, you're going to try to do a, a Sabbath on a Saturday or on a Sunday, have a big meal. Some friend of mine, a close friend of mine who's a little bit older than I am, uh, he's raised four kids. Two of his kids are out of the home. He's got two kids now in high school. Uh, their family has kept a weekly Sabbath for over 10 years. And their weekly Sabbath, they decided was going to be on Sunday. And so they went to church on Sunday, and that was part of their Sabbath. They would go to church together uh, every Sunday. And, uh, and then after that, they would come home, and they would have a brunch together. And this was the biggest meal of the week. And they would they cook all kinds of food. They would actually uh, be intentional about saying, we're, we're, we're filling the table up with food, pancakes and eggs and sausage and bacon. Like, take the time to cook the things that you don't normally have time all week long to cook. And they did this every Sunday. Not every Sunday, but, but over the course of 10 years, they made this pattern of regularly doing this on a weekly basis. Now, they wouldn't just have brunch together. They were honoring the Sabbath, and they wanted to be intentional. So what they would do is they'd get their kids around the table, and they would facilitate some intentional conversation with their kids. They'd ask some questions. They'd have some heart-to-heart conversations. They'd try to find out what's going on in my children's lives. They were in no hurry. There were no afternoon appointments. There were no afternoon uh, requ- uh, whatever you got, commitments. And so they, they just knew they had space and time. So they just sat around the table and just had a lengthy conversation to catch up over, over the course of uh, from, the, from the week. And then they'd take it a step further. And they'd move into the living room. And they'd all gather in the living room after brunch, and they'd all bring their Bibles, and they'd sit in a circle, and they'd open up their Bibles. And Dad, as the leader of the family, would facilitate a little bit of a Bible study. And they would look up passages of Scripture together, and all the kids would have their Bibles, and they'd look up their Scriptures, and Mom and Dad would ask them questions. They'd have a spiritual conversation. And the parents would pour into their kids, and they'd connect with them. They would do that sometimes up to an hour or two every week. You know, they've done that for over 10 years. They made a pattern of it. And they are one of the richest families I know. And I don't mean by the things of this world. I mean by who they are as people. I mean by the relationships they have with one another. And those teenagers still to this day love each other. And they have rich relationships outside of their family. And they are grounded. And they are secure. And they know the Lord. And they love the Lord. They're not perfect. But God has produced amazing fruit in them and through them. And if you ask them, as parents, what did you do to help pour into your kids and help establish this in your family, they would point and they would say, that Sabbath, that weekly Sunday Sabbath, had a huge impact. Spend time in prayer in the Word. Share a meal together. Have some intentional spiritual conversation over the meal. And lastly, the third thing Jewish people would, uh, they embrace still today is uh, they engage in a simply, uh, some kind of restful activity of some kind. So do that. Whether it's playing a game together as a family or going on a walk or going to the park or taking a nap, which, hey, I'm all for taking a nap on the Sabbath. That is restful and holy. Take a nap. Get some rest. Refresh. This week I was talking with our lead pastor, Paul Mumal, and he was telling me that he loves to do yard work. 
He loves to mow the lawn and he loves to pull weeds. And he said for him, that's a restful activity. Now, to me, that sounds like a nightmare, right? Like, I don't like doing yard work. Like, I do yard work because I have to and because I don't want the neighbors to think, well, who's the creepy guy next door that won't cut his grass? So, you know, that's why I cut the grass and occasionally pull weeds. And so find out for you what, what's a restful activity for you and for your family may not be a restful activity for somebody else. So find out what it is. And if it's doing yard work, well, you're weird. Um, <laughs> listen, as we bring the series to a close, the band's going to come out here and uh, we're going to wrap up not only today, but we're going to wrap up this series. And here's what I want to be reminded of as we, as we close today and as we close this series called Making Room for Life. I want to remind you, I want to remind me, I want us to be reminded today that there's going to come a day when you and me are going to stand before a real, na- real man named Jesus. And you're going to look him in the eyes and he's going to look you in the eyes. And it's going to be a glorious day But can I tell you, there's going to be a question he's going to ask you, and it's going to sound something like this. How did you honor me with your life? How did you honor me with your priorities? How did you put me first? See, taking a Sabbath day rest isn't so much about taking a day off as much as it is about centering your life on God. And allowing your, God, allowing your life to revolve around him and his kingdom and his purposes. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and God will take care of all the rest. So participating in a Sabbath day's rest, whether you do it once a week or you do it a couple times a month or once a month, give it a shot. Try it. Try it. It is a tangible way for you and me to help us. It's a tangible way to help us. Keep from giving God the leftovers of our life. Listen, God does not want your leftovers. He doesn't want my leftovers. He wants to be our priority. He wants us to order our life around him and around his priorities for our life because he knows that it's in him and relationship with him where we find life and where we find rest. One of my favorite quotes uh, is by an uh, author named A.W. Tozer. says this. He says, you, you can't truly rest until every area in your life rests in God. So maybe you're sitting here today, and you need to be reminded that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Maybe you need to be reminded that Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And maybe you're a Christian And maybe you need to try to be more intentional with your days off and you need to be intentional about establishing a Sabbath day in your schedule because you need to center your life and recenter your life around God. But maybe you're not a Christian. And maybe you're sitting here today and you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. Maybe you've never made him the Lord of your life. And maybe today the Lord is just saying to you, would you let me come and sit and settle in and rest on the throne of your heart, on the throne of your life, like I do in heaven? Uh, Regardless of where you're at, we'd love to talk with you or pray with you after the service. If you have have a reason to pray, we'd love to talk with you about your relationship with God. 
Um, would you stand with me and would we worship? And I'm going to close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, I am so thankful that you were faithful and that you were obedient, obedient all the way to the cross. I'm so thankful that you kept all the commands and that you paid the price and that you paved the way so that we wouldn't have to keep the commands, but that we can be in relationship with you. Father, I really do believe that that for some people this morning, you're whispering to them and you're encouraging them to center their life on you, to revolve their lives, to reorient their lives around you, God, around your kingdom and your purposes and your priorities for their life. Lord, would would you give them the courage to be faithful and obedient to you, to take some steps like maybe just practically setting aside a Sabbath day of rest in their schedule where they can intentionally seek you and take some rest and be reminded that you are the one in control. God, whatever whatever it is you're speaking to us today in our hearts, I pray that you would just bear fruit, Lord. Bear fruit for your kingdom and for your glory, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.